Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and today is episode 258 of the Talent Development Hot Seat, and we are talking about the art of masterful communication. Yes, as usual, I have a great conversation for you to help you take your job and your career in talent development to the next level. And today I am speaking with my friend, Adam Piendis. Adam is the founder of The Art of Masterful Communication, a leadership coach and mentor, consultant and Forbes columnist, as well as an avid surfer, world traveler, and huge fan and supporter of the Girls Athletic Leadership School. As a former collegiate athlete, outwardly thriving in high-pressure athletic environments came easy while managing his emotions and internal life didn't. After leaning on unhealthy coping mechanisms through much of his adult life, Adam was diagnosed with thyroid cancer in 2015, which helped him learn how to slow down and start harnessing his sensitivity in a useful way. In combination with 25 plus years of teaching, coaching, and personal development, a master's degree in spiritual psychology, training from the Coaches Training Institute, and seeing the impact of effective communication in his own life, he developed the art of masterful communication and his unique leadership methodology. Ever since, he has guided students in 70-plus countries across a variety of industries into the most effective communication skills that have brought consistent, measurable results to both their business and personal lives. And I'm excited to have Adam joining us today. And, you know, Adam has put these programs together on masterful communication. And in this interview, we walk through some of the things that are needed for leaders to be better communicators today. But really, and, and all of the stuff that I shared about Adam is impressive. But what most impresses me about Adam is that he's always reflecting and looking for ways to improve. He's also very vulnerable and authentic. And you'll hear it in this conversation. We talk about the mistakes that he's made in his own career and you know some of the mistakes we both learned from in terms of communication. And 
how when we actually address these things and we get honest about them, then we can make improvements. We can make changes. I've seen it in my own life. Adam has seen it in his. We've even seen it in our own relationship where we, we've known each other for a few years now and I've had some miscommunication steps and then got together and, and worked it through and talked about that. And we are friends today. Adam is also a member of the Talent Development Think Tank membership community. He has been for many months now, and he's going to be speaking at our upcoming Talent Development Think Tank retreat that's going to be happening on January 18th and 19th in Orlando, Florida. And I will be sharing more details about that in the near future. Tickets will only be available in the beginning to our members of the Talent Development Think Tank community. And if it doesn't sell out, I'll make more tickets available to our wider audience in talent development. So if you're not a member, come join us. You can find all the info at tdtt.us. That's tdtt.us. All right. For now, I'm going to take you to my interview with Adam Piandis, where we talk all about the art of masterful communication and what our leaders need to be effective communicators in today's environment. Enjoy. All right. I am joined now by Adam Piandis, who is the founder of the art of masterful communication. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Yeah, great to have you on. I think we've known each other for a few years now and got to know each other a lot more recently as you joined the, the Talent Development Think Tank. We've been talking a bunch and I've been seeing all the cool things that you've been doing with your company and, and programs and everything. And I'm excited to dig into this topic today because I think you know, leadership and communication are two topics that are kind of timeless, right? They're always important no matter what's going on in the world. They were important in the 1800s. They're important today, right? But we've had so many big changes going on in the world and the world of work that being a great leader and a being a great communicator is not the same as it used to be. And it's, it's changed a lot. And I wonder if maybe we could start with a little bit of, you know, kind of who you are, what you do, what's the background and how did you get into this line of work? Yeah, sure. Yeah. There's definitely a, a bunch to unpack when we take a look at leadership and the progression of it. And the, you know, if we look at kind of the old paradigm to the new paradigm, there's been a massive shift and, and I believe and through all our teachings that we place communication at the, as this sort of foundational component to all of it. I have not always been an effective communicator, right? I, I, I was driven predominantly through my emotions, um, through many, many stages of my life. And just as I've gotten older and had my own personal challenges with just life in general, getting older, more responsibilities, health, I had a bit of a health setback years ago that, that in many respects, it taught me more about myself, um, learning more about my own insecurities and, and the ways that I viewed the world. And, and through that, I, I started to do a bit more personal work and personal development. And, and through that process, learned more about my own inefficiencies with communication and, and, and then use that as, as a tool to help me help others uh, become better communicators in their line of work. So I've been doing teaching, coaching, facilitating for about 25 years in various capacities. And now it just happens to be a bit more focused on, on this leadership stuff. I always think it's more, not that we all can't help with anything and, and anything for everything, but I always think it's more effective when you, know, you think about that founder story of how we got to where we are. It comes from a place of, I've made my own mistakes and I've learned to overcome this and I can teach others as well versus someone that's just like, yeah, I've always been a great communicator. Like, you know, how do you teach someone who has had the same struggles? I wonder if you can give an example of 
mistakes you've made in the past or you see that are most common and, and what you did and to overcome that or how you changed? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, just to kind of speak to what you what you just shared, I, I, I think if, if, if for anything that we do, we have to have a strong sense of how it functions within ourselves, right? And so with, with communication, if I'm not aware of the way that I'm responding to the external world and taking personal responsibility for that, I'm going to have a difficult time relating to others. And so if I think back, just generally speaking, I, I, I often sat in the victim seat, I would say, where if something happened to me in ex my external world and I responded emotionally, the tendency was for me to point the finger at the external world, the person, place, or thing, and place blame on them for my my own internal upset, right? So if I got angry, pissed off, whatever it is, there's it was a, there's a good chance that there was somebody that caused that, right? Somebody to blame for that. And so that for me was a tendency where I, I often felt resentful. I often walked around with anger and then it became displaced as I would, I would blame others for my own, my own emotional upset. So over time and learning that, you know, hey, Adam, actually those emotions are yours. So maybe it's time to take responsibility for them. That, that's, that's how the shift happened. And it was, you know, this was, we're talking 20 years of personal work right. to get to a place where I feel really comfortable with it. But I, I would say like, generally speaking, that was probably my tendency in the past. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people come from that perspective. A lot of people still operate that way today. I see it all the time. And I made that shift as well. And you know, it, it was done over a long period of time. And I talk a lot about it now. I talked about it in my book and everything else, taking ownership. But I remember a moment, I, I never forget this. I was in the office at a consulting company I worked for and the, the leader I worked for, Jessica Parisi, for whatever reason, I don't know why the conversation got to this, but she's introduced this concept and this kind of exercise to do where she was like, for a day and then maybe a week or however long you can try to go without blaming anyone else and take full responsibility for everything going on in your life. So even if there's a car accident that makes you late, like, Hey, I could have left earlier. Right. Yeah. And not just blaming that person. And it was kind of like this revolutionary concept, like, Oh, I could take responsibility for everything. Even if it technically it was out of my hands, there's probably still something I could do about it. Or I could, you know, just take responsibility anyway. And I can feel like more things are within my control. I like that. That's a great exercise, actually. And, and one that is really enlightening if you actually take it seriously, I would imagine. You know, the thing about emotional upset and emotional responses to the world is that, the, so the big turning point for me as far as understanding where emotions come from and how you work with them is that, is that the emotions that we release, whatever it may be, were already within us right? So a person, a place, a thing is not responsible for our emotions. They can trigger them, right? right? But the emotions were already there. And so that exercise that you just gave is a good one. Like stop blaming other people, see what it feels like to, to take ownership. I'm curious, how did that go for you? I, I think I really took that to heart because I've been doing that ever since then. And yeah. I also notice other people even like the littlest things. And it kind of makes me chuckle sometimes. Like I see this many times, but I think of this example where some friends and I were crossing the street walking and it was like at a beach town and traffic was fairly slow anyway, but it caused, you know, this car had to stop to let us go across. And the guy was like angrily waving, like, 
you know, I don't know if he flicked us off or he was just like, you could tell he was really annoyed that we decided to cross the street in front of his car, which then forced him to stop and maybe be later for wherever he was going. And who knows what was going on in his life in that moment. But I always see that as like a metaphor or microcosm example of like people playing the victim, even in the smallest case of like, oh, you, I'm stopping because of you and I'm going to be angry at you instead of just like, this is part of the world. People cross the street, you slow down, you let them go by. It's not a big deal unless you make it a big deal, right? Yep. Yeah. And and <laughs> I'm laughing a little bit because I, I still to this day will catch myself driving and getting frustrated at other people, right? And right. so- where the work is is constant so yeah. I, I think what ends up happening is that where before I may have been that guy behind the car and got pissed off at you guys crossing the street and then kind of went on with my day now if that does come up and I do get angry or pissed off whatever it is I have the tools to be able to stop and say all right Adam like what's going on right, right? Like, internalize why are reflect. you responding this way yeah yeah it's it's fascinating. You think about that. And I'm not, I do this a lot, but I'm not, I'm not perfect. Right. Like sometimes I'm in the car and somebody's not going in front of me and I, and I'm talking to them. My kids are in the back. They're like, who are you talking to daddy? And I'm like, oh, I'm talking to that car up yeah. there. They can't hear me at all. Did you right? see that car? Did you see yeah. them? They're, they have a green light and they're not moving. Right. Yeah. Um, and I still, and I do believe as a society that there should be an electric shock mechanism for people that take longer than three seconds to go at a green light. But that's something we can talk about for, for another day. That's coming. Yeah. If only if you're looking at your phone, if you're daydreaming, it's okay. But let's get into like more organizationally, you know, effective communication. We, we talked about, you know, where you come from and being emotional and playing a victim. What are some of the biggest communication mistakes that you see people and especially leaders making? in in companies yeah i mean i think it it ties directly into what we've what we've been talking about so far which is emotional responsibility you know i've worked with thousands of people from all over the world within large-scale organizations smaller organizations and the trend seems to be somewhat consistent regardless of where you're from or what your experience has been is that you know a work environment is an emotional environment a work environment is one that challenges people, pushes people. It um, it lends to um, an ongoing experience where you either have an opportunity to better understand how you function in the world and how you respond to challenges or not. And, and the ones that do take that personal responsibility and better understand, okay, what are, you know, how am I working with my energy? What are my fears, my obstacles? What choices am I making in my day? And most importantly, how able am I to give myself some self-love and self-compassion in order to then learn more about the way I communicate and then be able to step out and communicate more effectively with others? So I think that to sum it up, it really does, it comes down to emotional responsibility, right? The more emotionally responsible an individual is, the more effective their communication most likely is within themselves. And therefore they become far more relatable when other people are experiencing their own, you know, emotional challenges. So. Would you say that masterful communication starts with self-awareness and emotional responsibility? And I can see how that could then lend to empathy and better curiosity and being able to have more effective conversations. Absolutely. I, I think that, you know, when I, when I talk about communication, 
there's a, we are, I always look at it as in two components. You have your internal communication, what goes on within inside of you, and your external communication. You have to, you have to get down and learn more about your internal communication. What are your behaviors and your patterns? And then what does it mean to be emotionally responsible? And then, mm. yeah, to your point, if if we're willing to take emotional responsibility and be and and practice self-compassion, I, I do think that is the bridge that helps people work within themselves and then connect with others. And then it leads to some of the words that you just threw out there, which are being more empathetic, being more curious, you know, and, and, and being willing to empower others from that place. Yeah. I, you know, as you're talking about this difference between internal and external communication and really recognizing that I'm remembering thinking of this meme that I've seen often on social media that is something to the effect of, you know, if your manager or your friends talk to you the way that you talk to yourself, you wouldn't take it, right? But why do you yeah. keep taking this, this berating that you give to yourself with no self-compassion? You, I'm, I'm sure you've come across a lot of people that are a lot harder on themselves than anybody else is. Oh yeah, we, we are. I mean, that tag, you know, that, that saying comes from, doesn't come from thin air. Like we are our own worst critics. And, you know, that self-talk that you speak about, which, which I often refer to as head trash, right? It's like, what is that trash that you build up in your head? Um, and the stories you tell yourself about yourself, they are, they, they, they run rampant in, a, in most people's days. And oftentimes it's difficult to, for, for individuals to spot those storylines because there's a lack of self-awareness of, of what you, you referenced there before. You know, the thing about corporate environments or work in general, and even we were talking before we, you know, a little bit before we get on here today, like there's a lot going on, right? And so if, if we as individuals try to tackle all of these things, it can be overwhelming. And, and oftentimes the response is to go faster, right? I've got more to do. I've got, yeah, I've got to move faster. And when that clicks in, it becomes difficult to hear those stories, that negative self-talk that we're talking about. So that I, you know, I do believe that there is a slowdown to speed up, a, you know, um, effect that comes into play to develop that self-awareness to say, okay, there's that story going on that, you know, if I don't complete this in time, then I'm not good enough or mm -hmm. whatever the story is, but yeah. you have to slow down to develop self-awareness. It also reminds me of this idea as I've looked into the concept and idea of imposter syndrome, that mm -hmm. it affects way more people than we think, right? Those, those leaders, the vice president or even CEO that we look up to, or they seem so confident inside, they're in their head going, man, I hope nobody figures me out because I, yeah. I don't think I'm really qualified to do this. Yeah. And, and if they find out that I really don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> then what? Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, imposter syndrome can percolate at, at, on many different ways and on many different levels, right? It's whether you are the CEO running a company or someone who is at a lower level within the organization that's trying to find their way, right? Like, God, I'm, I'm, I, might, I may not even be equipped for that position once I do find my way, right? So it, it, if, uh, it's, it can be really detrimental. Yeah, I was just talking with somebody else about this recently, the idea that we we talk ourselves out of so many opportunities before we even get the chance, right? Because we don't exactly. even give ourselves a chance. You know, I'm not going to apply for that because I'm not qualified. 
Whereas, you know, you could, you could still go for it and let them make the decision. But, you know, I know I've done this for myself and, and other people, I'm sure lots of people do this as well. You disqualify yourself before you even give yourself a chance to qualify for whatever it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's normal, right? And, and I think one of the things about when, when we talk about imposter syndrome or, or whatever, the, whatever the phrase may be, is that there's lots of ways to be able to move through these things, right? There's formulas. If you do these four things, then you, you know what I mean? I, I think the biggest thing is, is just being okay with these things when they come up. And, and that is the, the component to self-awareness and the self-compassion piece, where rather than saying, okay, here comes the imposter syndrome, what's the formula to move through this? It's saying, okay, here comes the imposter syndrome. I'm gonna feel that. It feels a little uncomfortable and I'm actually gonna be cool with that. I'm gonna be okay with that. And just give myself permission to, to experience that. And then, because what ends up happening is that if we move too quickly into the formula, if we move too quickly into the 10 step process and all the things, people love those lists, right? Do, do these 10 things. And right. when we jump to that, um, oftentimes it can be a bypass where we actually move through the most important piece, which is to, to sink into it, to feel into it and, and allow ourselves to move through it in that way. And, and I ultimately believe that that is the root of self-awareness is being able to actually experience these things, be okay with it, not make ourselves wrong for it. And, and this is ultimately the, the heart of effective communication. To, to, to communicate effectively with somebody else, um, there's, there are these sort of deeper levels of connection where you know, we have to feel into the process to be able to truly make a deeper connection than what's happening on the surface. And so it's just another, it, it, it speaks again to just the importance of, of getting to know oneself, so. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's so much there. And, you know, it's not as simple as a, an eight step process or whatever it is to help people gain better self-awareness and more self-confidence and self-compassion and yeah, emotional resilience and become better communicators, that sort of thing. But at the same time, I know you do work with organizations to yeah. help their leaders become better communicators. So I wonder if maybe you could walk through what that process looks like and how companies can at least try to help their leaders and people become better communicators and, and work better as teams. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is a bit more, it is a bit more complex than like, you just got to feel things folks. Right. So, so there, it does require a process and, and, a, and a system. What we do, we, we have a, a few different, you know, products that we offer. The one that we found to be um, that resonates most with the organizations we work with is a six week program where um, we call it the Art of Masterful Communication, and it's a group coaching program. And there's a couple things that happen that I believe to be effective when teaching communication within teams or within organizations, is a couple things is we give, we provide real fundamental skills that are um, recognizable, right? It's not rocket science, right? But they're the kind of fundamental pieces. And I, I mentioned a few of them work with your energy, understand your fears, obstacles, self-awareness, go in first. And once we build that foundation, then let's look at the external piece, which is listening, observing, asking powerful questions, 
helping people come to their own solutions, learning to ask for what you want. And so the inside out approach, I believe is important again, because you have to know what's going on inside of you before you effectively communicate with somebody else, right? So, so the program that we teach is progressive in nature. One week builds on the previous week and we go from the inside out. We also, we do it as kind of as a blended learning platform, right? So we have an online program, they're short bite-sized digestible content pieces. We then bring, we come together as a group and we discuss that content. We go into small breakout rooms and we dive a little bit deeper into it. So there's, so there's the progressive nature of it. You can't throw everything at them at once. Give people an opportunity to have a safe place where they can discuss this content, spread it out over the course of time so that there is the integration component. And, and I think what often happens with a lot of programs within organizations is that it, they miss out on the integration piece. We wanna jam all of this stuff in at once, rather than saying, let's spread this out over the course. For us, it's six weeks. That's a lot to ask yep. for a team you, if, to show up once a week for six weeks. It's a lot. Those that do though, you really begin to see the integration piece because we, we dive into some subject matter, we talk about it, and then we say, you know what? We're gonna meet in a week here. Here's some things that you can practice over the course of the week, but let's just let that sink in. And then over the course of time, it organically and naturally does become a bit, you know, part, you know becomes more part of just their natural way of moving through the world. So I would say it's the three things, it's, 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 teaching skills that are progressive in nature. It's providing a safe place for, for deep enriching discussion and then spreading it out over time so that, that you give people the opportunity for integration. For over three years now, the Talent Development Hot Seat Podcast has been proudly sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage Performance Group provides creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish, and you to be more successful at your job. The Advantage website has great free resources, including this podcast and an amazing webinar series that include topics such as innovation, future storming, inclusion, sales, leadership, and so much more. To get access to all of our free resources, as well as overviews of the solutions that Advantage offers, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's advantageperformance.com. It's interesting. I uh, I just created a training program for my book, and it's also six weeks spread out very well similarly. I think we are, yeah, we're well so done. aligned with content that people can consume, and then coming together to, for a live session to talk about what you know what you learned and what your goals are, and and how we can help each other, and then you know spread it out over six weeks, like you said. And it's interesting what can be done, and I think a lot of this was you know, for me at least was only created because of COVID and the pandemic, because mm -hmm. previous to that, everything I did was a full day or a full two yep. days together. Right. And, and you can get a lot more done sometimes being together in person for a day, you know, being kind of immersed, if you will, in that experience. But at the same time, it doesn't allow for that time in between to, Hey, let me have a few days to think about this, reflect on this and come back with questions versus like, do it all in one day. And then like, that's it. You move on to the next thing. So I think there's there's definitely pros and cons to both, but it's interesting what 
the pandemic has created for us in terms of opportunities to help people with learning and, and these experiences. Yeah, so first of all, congrats on that. I, I love the format of your program. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, th there is something cool about those one day, two day immersives where the energy is high, you get a lot of high fives, people are ready to, to implement change. And, and then uh, I'm telling you, if you check in a month later, a lot of that stuff is just gonna be gone and, and hasn't fully sunk in. Um, you know, one, one of the things that I found, and this would be something that maybe you found in the stages of what you're doing, is that again, it's a lot to ask a team, an organization to show up once a week for six weeks. And so what is going to happen inevitably is there's gonna be, be a good chunk of people that are not going to show up for those six weeks, right? And so I think a couple things become really important. One is that what we found is that if you don't have buy-in from the managers within the teams, it becomes really difficult to ask team members to show up every week. Right. And so I think having manager buy-in not only is important for consistency within the organization, but it's important for the team members as well. And so that you can really get the most out of these types of programs. And then the second part of it is, is really figuring out how to measure success. Um, because what I've found um, is that one of the, the, the immediate kind of checkpoints at the end of a program was like, okay, what's the attrition? How many people started and how many people finished, mm. right? And so it becomes important when you're running this type of program to really be clear on how you wanna measure success. It's, it's, it's tying into the underlying value of, okay, if you have a portion of the people that started and, now you, and they are now far better communicators within themselves and with others, that there's going to be a, a, what I believe to be a, a, a tremendously positive impact on the organization, more so than, okay, 75% of the people completed it versus not, uh, or that just completed it in general. So, right. and those, th that's about having honest dialogue with the people that you're working with and really yeah. getting aligned in terms of what, what in fact, creating an alliance with the people in the organization saying, okay, are we both on the same page in terms of how we're going to measure success? And I yeah. think it's really important. Yeah. So important to like the stakeholders involved. Why are we doing this? How do we want to measure success? What do we want to get out of this? And you know, what do we want to see being done differently? And then hopefully being able to measure that so that you can prove the value and, and do more of it, uh, yeah. which is cool. Uh, the last thing I want to ask you about is, you know, zeroing in on leadership you know, as we are in this kind of new way of working, you know, we've talked about emotional responsibility and, you know, taking ownership and communication, that sort of stuff, self-reflection. Is there anything else you would add? Like what do leaders need to be or do to be more effective in the kind of the modern times that we're in now? Yeah, I think, well, a couple of things come to mind. The first is having an awareness that everyone around them that they're working with experiences some level of pain in their day-to-day. -day. And when we can have that understanding, not only within ourselves, but with others, it immediately puts a leader in a position where they start to become more compassionate. They start to understand the importance of empathy 
and 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 then it you know we can what it does is it helps the person move away a little bit from the tactical transactional pieces that are important like we've got to finish this project we have to get this done those things are important however um equally as important is understanding that everyone is emotionally challenged and especially over the last couple of years like it's just been tough and that continues there's a tail there's a long tail to what we just went through and we're continuing to navigate our ways through it as individuals and, at, and on the collective and so i think the first piece is that is developing that sense of self-compassion compassion for others and empathy and then the second piece which i believe you know really makes for um successful leaders is the understanding that every single person is fully capable and every single person has the answers inside of them and so the more willingness you have as a leader to extract those answers out of people because you know that they only they know what's best for them is um what i believe to be a foundational piece for what makes uh, not only an effective leader, but what we can refer to now as as a modern leader as we move through move through these changes. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I've got a whole philosophy I put together on modern leadership, and I'd love to talk with you more about that later and and how we can help more leaders adapt to this. And but I think sure. with all the things that leaders need to be and do these days, I think it starts with self awareness and self reflection. Right? Like, who am I? How do I fit into the world? What have I done wrong? You know, what have I done right? You know, what do I want to improve? And, you know, whether you're a leader or not, it's so lacking in our world today that people actually take the time to stop and reflect and, and think about, you know, who they are and, and what improvements they want to make. So I hope that this conversation has inspired our listeners to make time for self-reflection, to think about these things, take more emotional responsibility and find ways to help your leaders and your employees to do more reflection, take more, you know, more responsibility, become better communicators, better leaders. Adam, if people want to reach out to you to find out more about your programs, I think you even have something that people can go, some, some free resources. Where should they go? Yeah. So I enjoyed the conversation, right? And, and so thank you for having me. And uh, this is the type of work that it's just, we get into the deeper, more meaningful layers of what it means to be human. Um, and the more that we're willing to explore those things, I think is just better as you know, we try to navigate through all these changes. So the, the best place to find me is, is, you know, where we offer our programs is on our company website, which is just my name, adampiendis.com. I run a Facebook group called Modern Leaders. Uh, people can join that if they're able to find it. <laughs> um, but there's, it's, uh, it's, it's a Facebook group of Modern Leaders. And um, those are really the two places to go. You know, I'm on the social channels as well. But um, of course. that's probably the best place is, is website. It's a good place to start if interested in doing this kind of work. All right. AdamPiendis.com. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. And if you are a Facebook user, then uh, go find that group for modern leaders on Facebook. Sounds like there's some more great resources there. Adam, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate your time today and just the, the open conversation and the inspiration. Always great talking with you and uh, hope to talk with you again soon. Thanks, Andy. Keep it up, brother. Thank you. 
All right. Take care. All right. That will do it for my interview with Adam Piendis on the art of masterful communication. I hope you got some value out of that. I hope you wrote down some notes. If it was valuable, let me know. Send me your feedback, good or bad, and make sure you share this podcast with a friend who could benefit from hearing this conversation as well. If you want to work with Adam, feel free to reach out to him. You know, he makes this program and coaching available to lots of corporate clients. And if you're interested in interacting with Adam and many other people in talent development, as I mentioned, Adam is a member of our talent development think tank community. He's also going to be speaking at the upcoming talent development think tank member retreat, which will be happening in January in Orlando. And I haven't made tickets available to the public yet. They're only available to our members first. Once we do that, if there are more tickets available, we will open them up to the public. But if you want to make sure that you get a ticket to the retreat and you want to be around a bunch of amazing people in talent development and you haven't yet joined our membership community, you can check that out by going to tdtt.us as in talent development think tank, tdtt.us. And when you join, you can put in code HOTSEAT to take 10% off for being a podcast listener. All right. Thank you again for listening and tune in again for our next episode. We'll be diving into a bonus Q&A with Adam about his own career and the challenges and trends he sees in talent development. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. Take care.